What's up, y'all? You are listening to For the Artists, a podcast brought to you by Creative M Projects. I'm your host, Melissa Cherie, and I'm excited as always. I'm always excited when I have uh, an amazing feature, aka person, human, on the other side talking to me. So today, we get to speak to Mike Talanka. He is a bass player. Y'all, he gets down on the bass. I know this to be true because I have performed with him. He's a composer and arranger. He's been playing music for over 20 years, if you can even believe that. He attended the Musicians Institute where he obtained an AA in music performance and he graduated with honors. Okay, so he's smart, y'all. Let me tell you that right now. And since then, he has been recording and performing with numerous groups and artists in Southern California, the Southern California area, including uh, Kasky, Brent Jones, Jessica Sanchez, Geneva Cruz, Adrian uh, Gallish. I hope I don't jack that last name up. <laughs> among you didn't. Uh, I didn't. Okay. Among others, he's also worked in the studio, including his home studio Ooh, we got to talk about that engineering recording sessions doing arranging and composition work doing sound design for cartoons what most recently he has been working with billy beck of the ohio players yep that's right i said that should we drop the mic right now the ohio players and zap on a project that has yet to be released welcome mike Thank you. It's uh, so good to be here with you, Melissa. Yes. So, oh my goodness, you are really doing some things, okay? So why don't you already tell us, are, you're from Ohio, right? Yeah. Okay, so do you have like some long connection with the Ohio players or what? How did that happen? Let's just start there. So my my dad, I am lucky and blessed to have a family that's involved in music. Uh, my dad owns and operates a recording studio. And I grew up, you know, quite literally in the studio. Oh. You know, I would be there all the time and I'd just kind of be around. But when you're a kid and you're at work with your dad, you don't think like, oh, this is so cool. I'm in a recording studio. You think, oh, I'm at work with my dad and he's working and then, you know you don't really understand <laughs> mm -hmm. how much like you can learn especially because i became a musician later uh you know i just kind of took it for granted when i was young hanging out and experiencing all the cool things that happen in recording studios uh but back to the ohio players i don't exactly remember how they met but it's my dad who uh got me in with billy beck who was a member of, who is a member of the Ohio Players. They still play. Um, I think what happened was, I don't know the exact story, but my dad basically contacted me and he's like, hey, this guy Billy Beck is recording an album and he needs some bass tracks done. So he had told him, uh, because he said he needed a bass player, he had told him, oh, I got somebody that can play for you. Not telling Billy that I was his son. Yeah. I recorded a track for him and he, he really liked it. And he said, oh, that's my son. And then we kind of got in touch and uh, I ended up doing a lot of the tracks on uh, the album that he's gonna be dropping. So it's been like a real honor to work with that guy because he is not only one of the nicest people I've ever worked with, but like such a killer musician. I mean, how could you not be? Wow. If you're played with the Ohio players. I mean. Yeah, and now we can say that about you. I mean, I already knew that about you before you played with the Ohio players, but my goodness, Mike. So it's like dad made the connection, but your talent is what got you there and kept you there. That's amazing. I was thinking like Jackson 5. You know how they grew up in music? <laughs> oh, not like that, no. <laughs> but no. the fact that you were like always in a studio, always surrounded by music, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely talk. very fortunate. Yeah. So, uh, are you an are you an only child? No, I have a sister. Was, is she also in music? Uh, not professionally. Okay. Uh, okay. But I know that she sings. She plays a little bit of uh, piano. Her husband plays guitar. I know they have worked in music ministry and churches before. I don't think either of them are like actively doing that right now. I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm, I know mm -hmm. that's horrible for me to say, but 
<laughs> that I don't know what exactly they're up to right now. But yeah, I, I know they've done that in the past. Mm, I can I can relate to that. So it's 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 not it's horrible, but not. We won't, <laughs> we won't even go there. I have a brother. I can't tell you what my brother is up to. I know he's doing photography, uh, but you know I can't fill in any details. <laughs> okay, I feel a little less bad now. Good. I want to help you out there. Um, <laughs> so. All right, so you didn't even realize how special it was when you were young, and that's usually what happens. But at what point did you, what point did it did become like a, wow, this is really cool. I actually really like music, and I think I want to do music like my dad. Um, I, when I was in school, like elementary school, you know how they have little elementary school bands. So I played, my first instrument was the alto saxophone, which I did not continue to play. <laughs> uh, I just played it for a little bit and I was okay. I was, I, I could read and I was okay, uh, mm -hmm. but I just kind of lost interest. And then uh, in, I was in seventh grade. So that would make me like what, 12, something like that. Yeah. Uh, right. And that's that's about the age when kids really start to actually get interested in music. You start getting your favorite artists, your favorite bands, and then you want to learn to play your favorite songs. That's what all my friends were doing. Mm -hmm. I was not at that point yet. Mm. And I felt kind of like, well, I want to be part of the group, you know. And <laughs> I heard them talking one day and like, oh, yeah, we should all start a band. Yeah, we need a bass player. And I had never done anything like this before in my life. I went up to them and I lied to them and I said, I can play the bass. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool. We're going to have practice next week. And they, they're making all these plans. So I went home. So my dad plays the bass. And ah, I knew that. Okay. So I went home and I was like, dad, I got to learn how to play the bass. <laughs> and that, that's, that's basically how it started. And then from there, it just became something that I would spend a lot of time, you know, doing, practicing. Mm. Uh, but that's really kind of how I got started playing the bass. So the saxophone was not your thing, but you're like, I need to learn how to play the bass. And was it immediate? Like, ooh, yeah, this is my thing. Uh, or did you grow I, into loving playing the bass? I think that at the beginning it was just fun to hang out with my friends and just kind of sort of goof around and make noise. But it didn't take long for it to be something I spent a lot of time on. No, because mm -hmm. when I started to, even before I started to play the bass, when I was like, you know, vaguely interested in music, my dad would always give me things, albums and stuff. You know, he would burn me CDs mm. uh, of like his favorites. And then when he would always listen to, to good music, it was always either like, Motown or Soul or the Beatles or stuff like that like all like really good stuff he was he had a very uh has a very kind of diverse array of, of things that he listens to mm -hmm. uh, so it was always you know bouncing around so I got exposed to a lot of different styles of music uh, as a kid which was nice uh but yeah I, I think it took a little time to to grow into the the instrument into music in general but not that much time maybe like a couple months Okay. Yeah, Mike, that that kind of feels in, kind of instant to me. A couple months. I'm like thinking you're going to be like, oh, a couple years. You're like, a couple oh. months. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I didn't decide that I wanted to like be a music, you know, wanted to do music for real until I was in high school. If, if that's more like the angle of, of what you're asking. Uh, because... I think it was like my junior year people started that's when people start talking about, oh i want to go to college for this and for that i want to do this and the only thing i could think of is i want to keep doing what i'm doing mm. uh, which is like playing music that's what i spent a lot of my time doing that's really cool i wish that i would have had someone help direct me in that way because when i ended up when i ended up going to college i basically did not go for anything arts related, even though my whole life had been about arts, singing, dancing, music, like all that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, I just couldn't wrap my head around paying the amount of money that it costs to go to school to do something that I, <laughs> to do something that I one loved and that I felt came kind of naturally. But 
my life would have turned out probably a lot different had I went to school focusing on that. So that's cool that you that you connected that for yourself mm. in your junior year. Yeah, that was yeah, that was good. Uh, and, and I got kind of a head start because a lot of people start don't start really playing music until like they're in high school. Mm. And I started a little before that. Uh, so I feel like I have a couple years on most people. Yeah, just nice. So did you go to school in Ohio? Did you go to college in Ohio? No, no. I went to Musicians Institute, which is in downtown Hollywood. It's like right on. Oh, that's in Hollywood. Yeah, it's like right in, on Hollywood and Highland, basically. If you're oh. familiar with Hollywood, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, it's, so if, if you're familiar with that area of Hollywood, it is right next to, there's a Scientology building. That I don't think that it's used anymore, but it's got, mm -hmm. at least when I was there, it had a big Scientology sign. I haven't been to Hollywood in a couple of years. So, in a long time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, that was, uh, those kinds of schools, I, I, people that went to Berkeley tell me Berkeley's the, the, the same way where you hear a lot of people say, oh, it wasn't worth going to, to music school. I didn't learn anything or they'll graduate anybody. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that from a lot of musicians, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> but th there's those schools that the value is not in like the classes that you take mm -hmm. because they will kind of just pass anybody. Mm -hmm. The value is in everything else that is optional all the people that you can talk to and all the connections that you make and, yeah. and everything. And I learned the most from not my classes, from everything else Yeah, going there. Uh, but yeah, at, at uh, 18, I, you know, I auditioned for a couple schools and I uh, got the audition for MI and somebody I knew was going there too. So we flew out to California uh, together. Uh, and he's he is not in california anymore but uh but we went to school you know and lived together mm -hmm. while going to school out here okay yeah did you immediately notice uh i know you were young but any sort of difference in terms of kind of like the music scene or the music vibe in ohio versus hollywood yeah, enormous, because I, I tell people I'm from like the Cleveland area, which is, I only say that because people know vaguely where Cleveland is. Mm -hmm. I, I Where I lived was like an hour-ish outside of Cleveland, you know, 60 miles or so away. It's kind of a small town, so there wasn't really a music scene. There's like, mm -hmm. you know, a couple bars in town where sometimes like somebody would play guitar or something. And obviously I can't go into a bar, um, you know, in my teens. Uh, so just there being a music scene at all was, was really kind of crazy to me. And being in Hollywood, I went to so many shows mm. just that I could just walk to. Yeah. Uh, there used to be a lot of venues. I'm sure there are still a lot of venues in Hollywood, but a lot of the venues that I went to are now closed. Like, the knitting factory if you've ever been there that was a really cool venue i would you know and it was like 10 15 dollars usually i'd just go there and like watch bands play because mm -hmm. i never got to really do that not like you know notable artists yeah so yeah it was it was a huge difference and the other thing that was really really great was seeing people with other people with you know really open uh ears to different kinds of music because in my hometown you had people that basically just like liked country or liked classic rock yeah. or liked whatever was on the radio and that was basically it mm -hmm. you, you, nobody really you know had anything in terms of tastes aside from those three things mm -hmm. so it was really great to be exposed to a lot of music that i had just not heard before like i you you hear like I heard the term jazz. I didn't really know what jazz was till I went to college because mm. nobody showed me. I didn't, well, I was never exposed to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely like night and day, massive difference in terms of the music scenes. Massive difference. You know, I haven't, I'm not really up on what's popping in the Hollywood scene as it relates to music now. I mean, especially within the last couple years, because I'm just not heading over to Hollywood. Like, I mean, with everything going on in the world. 
Sure. But, I, yeah, that's that's understandable. But I but I do feel like there has been um I don't want to say like things are kind of like things have dried up a little bit. But I don't know. I just wish that in LA we could somehow bring back or create like kind of what you were saying how you could just walk to different bars and just hear different music. Like I wish that was going like on a regular basis like all the time like literally you walk down the street and like you know every other spot there's a band playing and there's live music going and you know I mean there's just such an energy that's created from that and I feel like we've gotten away from that I'll yeah I agree uh, although that I'd say that is definitely something that in certain areas still happens granted you know it's a lot of where that happens, it's local bands, but still, a lot of them are, are really good. Uh, I live in Fullerton, which is in Orange County, but North Orange County, so I'm not far from L.A. County. I'm not mm -hmm. far from downtown L.A. either. Uh, and in certain parts of Orange County, you still have that kind of experience, where if you go to like yeah. a downtown area, there's places where, you know, you can hear kind of three or four different groups playing at three or four different venues. Mm -hmm. uh, I think even downtown Fullerton, I haven't been there in a while, but I used to play down there and that's how it was like. Uh, and so certain areas still have that, but yeah, LA Hollywood is not like that. Like you have the, the big venues. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know which venues are still there if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are gone. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's you hear people talk about Nashville, mm -hmm. where like you just walk down the street in downtown Nashville, and every single place has live music. Mm -hmm. um, so it is it's definitely a stark difference in comparison to Nashville. I've never been to Nashville, but everybody I talk to says that it's very different there because there's just so much music. Music City. I haven't mm. been there either. I have a I have a good friend that actually just moved there, so maybe I'll get there sooner than I think. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, sure you could get a gig out there. That would, there. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun for mm -hmm. reals. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you finished college and like high school, were you ahead of the game in terms of having making made some decisions about what you were going to do post graduation from college? No, it, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I was kind of lost when I graduated because the last, um, like I will say, like the first three months of college, I took it. You know, not that I goofed off. I never like partied or goofed off or anything, but I wasn't taking it as seriously as I should have. <laughs> and I, I did practice. I did, you know, spend time with my instrument, but uh, it wasn't hardcore. And I, I had a, so you had normal classes, but like in any music school, you have a one-on-one -on -one lesson with the teacher every week. Mm -hmm. The teacher I had was, uh, a, he kind of pushed me a little bit to do things and one day he just gave me like this absolute humongous mountain of stuff to do like he gave me like eight pages of stuff to sight read and all these different styles and i came in the next week hadn't done anything or i could barely kind of fumble through one of the pages and he's just like put your bass down uh, okay i did and he's like what are you <laughs> doing here i was like just hit me really hard and just for like 10 minutes was just like basically told me I, I need to you know, do whatever it takes to finish the things that I have you know, to finish. Mm -hmm. And so from then on, I would practice. I had like a really, really long practice time, at least six days a week. I would go usually because the school was open 24 hours a day. I would practice 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. was my my practice time, like six Whoa. days a week. I'd usually give myself Sundays to, to kind of chill. But mm -hmm. yeah, every day, 8 p.m. to 3 a.m was was what I would do because classes usually didn't start till 10 or 11. It's music school, of course. 
it didn't start till later. But I spent so much time practicing up until graduation that I didn't even think about, okay, what am I going to do after I graduate? Mm-hmm. It's just all, like all my time was spent practicing. Uh, and then I actually, the last couple months, like maybe two months, I started to have uh, issues with my hands. Mm. And so that was just another thing that was, I, I couldn't care about what I was going to do after because I didn't know what my, my future was, if I could even, you know, mm-hmm. play. It was, it was kind of bad and it slowly got like a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it's kind of been with me ever since. Uh, I will get maybe a little bit more into detail on that a little bit later. But when I graduated, yeah, I wasn't sure what to do. And I had spent some time applying for jobs. And this was in like 2010. Mm-hmm. So this was right after the big 2008, you know. Oh, the crash? Economic downturn, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was hard. I couldn't even get, like I applied fast food places. I couldn't get anything. Mm. And eventually, I thankfully, I got a, a teaching job through the school. The school uh, had, I got an email from them because they have like a little outreach thing. And yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there, I just kind of started uh, meeting people and playing gigs and stuff. But it took a little bit of time mm. to really get on my feet because I didn't think about it while I was in school. Okay. So I'm going to go here. Because you talked about practicing from 8 p.m. to 3 in the morning, okay? Mm -hmm. But yet you didn't really have a clear vision of what you wanted to do post-graduating from college. I want to know, what the heck was your motivation to be practicing on your instrument like that? I mean, the commitment had to be coming from somewhere or had to be to something do you know what the, i mean you might know now what that was <laughs> um well like i said i had a teacher who was kind of a you know he could be tough on me and when he saw how much time i was putting in he just kept throwing harder stuff at me mm. and so he would like the the first time that he gave me something really difficult was uh the 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 school was split into quarters so like nine week quarters and so at the beginning of the school quarter he gave me this this bach cello piece which is in bass clef so you could play it on bass he's like play this for me in two months Mm -hmm. and i had never it was like the craziest thing i had ever seen at the time Mm -hmm. so that was getting something like that and wanting to impress this guy who is like insanely good who also lives in Nashville now, by the way. Speaking of <laughs> Nashville, yeah. Uh, I, I, that was my motivation was like, I'll show him, you know, cause he was, mm. you know, he was kind of a jerk to me, but not in a bad way. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate what he did now. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a big thing uh, was just kind of trying to show up my teacher. Like, yeah, I can do this. Uh, of course I can do this. Uh, I did have uh when I very first got to the school, I did actually have kind of stage fright mm. because I had played like in like, you know, small town battle of the bands and things like that. But I haven't really like actually played in front of people before that I knew were way better than me. Mm-hmm. And he knew this. And so that same piece, the first one <laughs> that he had given me when I, when it came time to perform the piece, I go into the room and it's like, uh, imagine like a, 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 a long hallway just full of little practice rooms. There's probably like 30 of them or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I go into the room and he's like, okay, today's the day. <laughs> he's all, you know, like, and I'm like all nervous. Like, uh, he's like, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I'm ready. And he goes, I'm not ready. Oh. And so he stands up and he opens the door to this little room. Mm-hmm. out into the hallway where all the students are mm-hmm. and he makes this big announcement he says hey this guy's gonna play for us everybody come watch <laughs> and not only did he like pull a bunch of random people he grabbed two guys oh, no. who were also bass players who were way better than i was and sat them in the room right on either side of me wow and, and he and he is like okay now i'm ready now you're and ready. 
I screwed up so bad. It was horrible. I've like bungled the whole thing. But I was never, I never had stage fright ever again after that. <laughs> what cured you? Yeah. And that, so that experience alone was motivation enough because it was like, okay, I got to do better for the next one. Mm. I can't, I can't play that bad every time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was most, he, he was mostly my motivator, but also when you start learning more and more about music, you realize, or just anything really, not just music, anything. When you start learning about anything, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you actually know. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> yeah. And so I, it, it was just like I, I couldn't stop absorbing information. I just wanted to, to learn as much as I could. And that kept kind of feeding itself. And that's, that's really the other thing that, that I'd say kind of motivated me to practice. I was always interested in learning more about the inner workings of music. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, would you say that now, present day, that you have an emotional connection to music? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, when in your life did you begin to recognize that or notice it? So I think it was in high school, I had gotten, you know, friends always recommend you music mm -hmm. and you, you know, and this was around the time when you could get kind of whatever you wanted, but you had to jump through some hoops to get it, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, but you could, you could get it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I'd listen to stuff and there's stuff that I would like and, uh, and things that I would enjoy listening to. But there was one album in particular that a friend of mine who wasn't a musician, wasn't really into music at all. He's like, hey, you should listen to this. And I was like, ah, no, no. What do you know? You're not a musician. You know, teenager all cocky. about. It. And one day, another friend of mine had recommended the same album. And I was like, ah, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to this. And it was the first time when I put an album on and I just kind of like sat back and just listened to the whole thing, like without moving. Mm. And it was like, I was just like, I don't know what I'm hearing, but I'm just feeling all kinds of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's really when I realized, like, you get, like, the, the goosebumps, you know. It was mm -hmm. just at that point I realized, like, okay, there's something more to this than just, you know, jamming out with your friends in a garage or a basement. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're creating music now, because, you know, you are a composer and an arranger, um, do you think about your... I guess your intention when you're creating things in terms of if you are trying to connect with, you know, I don't know, like just emotionally, is there an emotional intention when you are composing and arranging songs? Uh, I try to make that connection as much as possible. When you're doing things for other people, mm -hmm. sometimes it just isn't always as there as it should be. Yeah. Because... It is work, mm -hmm. but I do always try to put as much of myself as I can into everything that I do. Mm -hmm. uh, for for things that I write for myself, sometimes things just I know I'm sure you know this as as a musician. Sometimes things just come out, yeah, and you realize like what it reflects later. Mm -hmm. Once it's you know, a lot of it is just kind of out, you know, either on the page or in the DAW or whatever it is. However, you get it out of you. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I feel like most of, of most everything that I do is is pretty um, pretty you know tied to me personally. Yeah, that's a great observation. You're right. It it, it there is not always um, there's not always an intention. Sometimes it's just like an after an after something. <laughs> like, right. It's like a right. post. It's like like you said. It's like 
just getting it out because a lot of times I'll just you know pull out my little journal or whatever and like it's almost like you're um I want to say like an antenna or a funnel because like like when creatively something is just coming to you like sometimes you're like oh shoot I need a piece of paper and then like it's just flowing it's just coming yeah. out and you didn't really put any thought into it it was like it was just in there and you released it mm -hmm. and then later you're like oh shoot look at what I released like hopefully it was something good and beneficial yeah 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 <laughs> A hundred percent. But it's all perspective, right? Because even if someone might be like, oh, what were what were you trying to do there? You know, I mean, it's still part of the process, either my process or somebody else's. And it's, it's somehow helping somebody's process, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So do you just ever have, uh, speaking of creativity and things just coming out, do you ever have times where n nothing is coming out and you're just like, oof? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. In fact, it's it's something that uh, I've, I've discovered about. I think that this is a general kind of thing. A lot of people have this, but I have a really hard time just sitting down and telling myself, all right, it's time to time to write or time to <laughs> time to do this. I need to develop a not a routine, but it needs to be something I consistently do, mm -hmm. which as a musician who does all kinds of things is really hard. Like during the, between the times of like March, 2020 mm -hmm. and like, I want to say June, 2021, mm -hmm. I wrote a lot of music because well, not a lot going on. Yeah. Right? I yeah. could just wake up every day. I didn't have to do anything. I could just roll out of bed and like onto this chair mm -hmm. and just start working on stuff. Okay, I gotta tweak my mix or I gotta, I wanna put another part uh, to this to this piece or whatever. Yeah. But I can't like, okay, today's my day off. I have, you know, or I have like six hours before I gotta go to a gig. Let's, that's really hard for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is tough to, to get into like a, a groove, but once I'm there, it's just, constantly you know just coming out of me so yeah it is it is really tough to just kind of you know start to start it but once it gets going it, it's usually like really good I love that you shared that about getting into a groove because I you know a lot of times I'll think about I'll I'll, I'll use the phrase like getting into a rhythm, like finding a rhythm. And usually when I'm just, when I'm saying that, I'm referring to like, like a chunk of time. I'm talking about like weeks or months where you just kind of find your rhythm for that particular like season or time that you're in. But when you talked about having just like, even like a groove, like for a single day, I can totally relate because let me tell you the yesterday, I think it was yesterday. I had found a groove. Okay. I was like, I have like buckets, okay? I don't know if you can relate to this, but like buckets of things that I have to do, right? So there's like the organization bucket, there's like my creative Melissa Cherie bucket, and then there's like my personal, it's like take care of the house, be a wife and all that bucket, all right, all these buckets. And so I found a groove for one of the buckets that I've been trying to get to, and then I had a Zoom meeting. And the Zoom meeting I was it was only gonna supposed to last like 30 minutes to an hour right do you know this zoom meeting went on for like over two hours oh no so by the time the zoom meeting finished it had completely like taken me out of my groove and I had like a short window like maybe 45 minutes or an hour before I needed to get into the next thing and it is it's it's hard to get into a like a real good groove when you're like under the clock like that. So then I was like, you know what? Like it's a wrap. I, I just need to pick something else that doesn't require as much energy, thought and attention. That's really simple that I can just dip in and dip out of for 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I relate a hundred percent. One thing that's always on my mind and maybe, maybe this is something that I think too much about, but the, the most, successful creative people the things that they have in common 
the biggest thing I should say that they, that they all had in common was that they had a place that they could just kind of lock themselves into and just ignore everything else for long mm. periods of time. You just get away from everything. You have like your little, whatever it is, your room or your shed or whatever that you can just like close the door. Nothing happens and just like, it's almost like time doesn't pass while you're in there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but yeah, being like just having no time restriction to me is the most important thing to being creative. Just, yeah. I, I, obsess, with, I obsess with having other things to do in the back of my mind too much. It's like, oh, I got to... You know, I got to do whatever, you know, in, in eight hours, even if like I have the whole day, just mm -hmm. knowing that I have that, it's just, you know, is ruins it, the groove. Is it gro it's golden. It's your groove. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Mike, you're always like kind of very happy and like up. I mean, is this, I mean, is this consistent with how you always are? <laughs> uh, no, I would say not. Uh, I am. Uh, it depends, really. I will say in my professional life, mm -hmm. like if I'm out gigging, which I do a lot of, uh, I have like last week I played four gigs the week before I played five. Like I'm, I'm very busy this summer, which mm -hmm. is great. I'm I'm blessed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whenever I'm on a gig, I do my absolute best to always just try to be, you know, if not happy, then at least an upper, you know, and that <laughs> an doesn't, <upper>. yeah, <laughs> that doesn't always happen. I mean, mm. you, you've probably seen me at my kind of emotional worst, mm -hmm. which was last year because I had a death in the family that happened the day before I was supposed to fly out to those to those gigs uh, in the South that we did, yeah, which were right. great, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's about the worst that I think I've gotten. And I was just like, just really, I mean, I wasn't like angry. I wasn't like anything. It was just, I was really just kind of silent the whole, however long it was, week or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, I try my best to be uh, always, like you know somebody who is more positive uh than the negative yeah and when i am working by myself on things though mm -hmm. i am extremely hard on myself uh, mm. so it's kind of almost completely the opposite like unhealthily so like it's important to be you know your worst critic but uh it's yeah it i will admit that it's it's an issue for me uh i i'm very very hard on myself but huh. but I don't let that reflect uh, in what I do with other people ever, mm -hmm. ever. Only with uh, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm always, like I said, always when I'm on a gig, if, if I'm in any professional situations in the studio or anything, I'm always trying to do what I can to make people laugh or to make the moment, you know, yeah. enjoyable for everybody. So, okay, let, let's hang out there for a second, okay? The whole, like, being critical and being hard on yourself. Um, because I find that, and maybe this is true, you know, I can't even say that this is true of just people that perform, because I would imagine that anyone that is producing something with their art that has the potential to be seen or heard or whatever by other people may have this in common in terms of being very critical. Because I, I can I, I feel like I'm similar to you in that way so how do you you're aware of it but how are you moving away from that so that it's not unhealthy uh, or are you there yet <laughs> I don't I, I don't think I'm there yet honestly yeah. uh, it's and I know that a lot of really creative people tends to be and I'm not trying to say that oh I'm super creative but but a lot of artists tends to be really really hard on themselves and even people even just people who are um, you know successful in their fields in general I've, I've heard that a lot of them in private tend to be really brutal on themselves so I don't think I'm beyond that 
Um, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's in phases because there are some times when I'm listening to things that I've done and I am just, you know, really proud of what I've done. But then a week later, it's instantly like, you, you know, I think to myself, like, nobody would ever want to hear this or mm. things like that. Like, you just need to throw it all away and just restart, like, everything mm. you've ever done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, it, it comes and goes with, and it also depends on how much I am working too. Because if I'm, if I'm really into churning things out every day, I get a lot done. That's not as present as if it's done fractionally like it has been basically this whole year because of how much other stuff I've had going on. Mm-hmm. Where if I have like, you know, six hours to work on something, it just immediately is like, just just stop, just throw this all away, you're no good. Which I know that's not true, mm-hmm. at least not completely true. Um, but yeah, I, I it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who are you? Do you have someone or like who are you bouncing stuff off of that can deflect that? Do you have anyone? Um, there are some things that I share with people. Uh, I don't really. I had a goal. I wanted to release some music last year, mm-hmm. but I got so busy with other things that I didn't end up. I didn't end up finishing what I wanted to finish. Mm-hmm. Um. I have a couple of of friends who are not musicians who I bounce things off of. I mm-hmm. think that it's important to have people that aren't musicians listen to your music. <laughs> yes. You, you get like perspectives that you would never think of as a musician, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I have, uh, I mean, sometimes I'll let my dad listen to what I'm doing too. Because mm-hmm. he always gives me mixing tips and things like that. Um, but yeah, not really. Not not too many people that I'm bouncing things off of. And nobody that I would say I have respect for as like a composer that I have to bounce things off of. Which is another reason why I'm really hard on myself. Because I, I have some kind of feedback, but not from every angle. Mm. And so to I tell myself that that's a detriment and well no real composer would take you seriously. <laughs> that kind of thing is what I tell myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. So what's on your what's on your radar? Like what are you what are you looking to do in terms of your music? So like future uh, forward. Okay in the future so one thing that has been something that I've wanted to do and I didn't know it I didn't know that this is what I really wanted to do but this is what I wanted to do for a long time uh, was compose music mm-hmm. uh, and I when I was in school and yes I went to school as a bass player mm-hmm. and everything that I learned was mostly like I mean it was about music but about music you know in relation to the bass Mm -hmm. and in school you're always told what you should do if you want to be successful as like a studio musician bass player type person right like you got to be able to play all these styles and you have to use these instruments and you got to you know all, all the stuff that they that they tell you you have to do in order to be successful and I did all of that stuff you know I learned all the styles I needed to which was a good thing obviously mm-hmm. uh, and I even you know they will tell you especially for auditions like oh you got to play these kinds of basses everybody wants to see you with a fender bass so I, I got my two fenders over there in the case you know like I did everything <laughs> like everything they told me to do to like be a successful studio musician um. and in like 2016 I had done like a bunch of auditions the past couple years and things didn't really pan out because in for a lot of these artists it's not how you play it's how you look mm. as long as you can like kind of play you know the, the the best story about that that i heard was when i was at mi rihanna was auditioning guitar players 
Hmm. And the casting for the audition specifically stated the look that they wanted this guitar player to have. They wanted a tall, blonde, white guy with dreads. That's wow. exactly what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy like that in the school who mm. was not a good player, who mm -hmm. got the gig and who got fired like two weeks later. Wow. And so like it really doesn't, it does matter for some things how you play, yeah. But for a lot of things like the people that are looking, they already know what they're looking for. Yep. Uh, and I've done all kinds of auditions. There was one time when I did an audition for like this, we'll just say it was like a somebody signed to Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And the, the guy pulled me aside. The, there was like two record execs. And one, one of the guys is a British guy. And he's like, you did absolutely fantastic, but you're not going to get the gig. Like straight up just told me you're not going to get the gig because you're not what we're looking for. But your playing was amazing. Yep. Um, so after seeing all that, um, I, you know, was kind of just sitting at home one day and uh, when I was in high school, I didn't, there were some musicians that I knew, but a lot of my friends just kind of played video games. So we'd play video games together. And like it, it hit me like a lot of the music that I really like, mm -hmm. it's actually in these really old video games. Hmm. And so I, like I spent one day just kind of like listening through to a lot of this music from games like new and old. And I was like, it'd be really cool to write music for this stuff. And so that was in 2016. And at the time, I just started, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start just writing things that I think would fit into these, these styles. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, where I was, I was living at the time in, uh, in the valley. Uh, <laughs> and that, uh, where my living situation there got kind of flipped upside down and since then i hadn't really i because i was like kind of thrown out of where i was living i had to find a new place to live i decided to relocate to orange county mm -hmm. uh, because the place i was teaching lessons at was closing down at the end of the year also and so i had, yeah i had to find a new like uh, yeah that that whole thing was was just that whole 2016 2017 was ridiculous for me it was horrible mm -hmm. uh, but i but i made it through but yeah, I, uh, so I basically just put that to the side. I said, I just have to try to get work as a bass player because that's what I know I can do. Yeah. And so 2017 through 2019, I just took every gig that I could. 2019, I was working a lot. I was doing all kinds of things. 2020, I managed to kind of refocus myself and say okay now that you have some time the world has forced you to put time aside to start writing again mm -hmm. and so if i could you know point myself in one direction and say you're gonna do this in five years that i would like to get into the world of uh, composing for games i think i have an ear for that i definitely don't have an ear for writing like pop music absolutely mm -hmm. not like it's just i don't understand what makes like a catchy pop song, mm -hmm. but I can, I can, I know a lot about kind of odd sounds and things like that, that a lot of like film and game composers use. Yeah. And so that's, that's like one of my kind of passions is that kind of those kind of sounds and that kind of harmony. So I think hopefully if, if, you know, everything goes the way I want it to, that's where I see myself in, in the next couple of years is moving toward that direction. Okay. Well, you know what, Mike, you're you're so focused <laughs> and so like logical. Like, oh my gosh, it's, I I feel like that's totally gonna happen. It's totally gonna happen for you. Well, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I'm not as focused as I would like to be. That's for sure. Dude, you're like heck of focused. Okay, you, you need to see some of these other people out here and how unfocused <laughs> they are, so that you can see a true measure of yourself. <laughs> well. I appreciate that. Maybe I should look at some other people. But. <laughs> um, but it's almost like I see like it's like you have blinders on. You just only you just see what you need to see. That's kind of what I get from you. Like you see what you need to see. You're not like concerning yourself with like a bunch of other foolishness or other people. It's like I, I try, but I feel like sometimes there's little cracks in the blinders. I <laughs> little like it's in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little lasers from other people yeah 
Um, people are flashing lights at me. <laughs> Mike, so you had a horrible 2016, 2017? What the heck? Okay, how did you get through that? You, you can't just brush over that real quick and be like, it was horrible, but I got through. It's like, uh, how did you get through? So, like I said, the big thing was, there were two big things happening in 2016. I, I was living in a house in the valley. Do you still live like in that valley area? Yeah, SGV. Oh, oh, uh, you're San thinking, Fernando. Yeah, you're the other valley. Yeah, San Fernando. Okay, okay. Wait, am I the other valley or are you the other valley? Wait, are you talking about San, are you talking about San Fernando Valley that <laughs> yeah, you were in? Yeah, San Fernando Valley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, was, you were in a different valley. Yeah, yeah. I was in like the, the by Lake Balboa, if you know Yeah, that, that valley is. is suspect. No no offense to anyone listening from the, that valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it definitely is now. <sighs> like really, really kind of, I wouldn't want to live there. Definitely not ever again. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I would say right when I left, it was starting to get worse, but it wasn't mm -hmm. bad like mm -hmm. it is now, mm -hmm. but it was manageable well, the whole time I was living there. I, I would not, was not in a bad area mm -hmm. or at the time it wasn't bad, um, but I was living in a house Okay. and um, there were five people there <laughs> and it was a pretty big house though. And, uh, it was a lot of other musicians. People would kind of come in and out, like this person move out, this person move in. Got but, it. Uh, at the end of the year in 2016, basically a bunch of things happened that led to everyone leaving all at once. Oh. And because like one person, his girlfriend got a job in Northern California and he was moving there with her and another person, she was moving somewhere else and another mm -hmm. person, he was moving somewhere else. And so all this happened within like a two or three month period. And the landlord said, we don't want to renew the lease. So you're going to have to move too because we need to fix the place up mm -hmm. so we can rent it for more money. Because that basically that lease, one person in the house had been like there for I don't even know how long, probably like six or seven years. Mm -hmm. So they just wanted to, you know, basically remodel the house and everything. So yeah. I, and then on top of that, like I had said, the place I was teaching music lessons, I had heard, they hadn't officially announced, but I had heard from one of the people that used to work there that they were not going to renew the lease on that building. Mm. So I thought I got to get out of here now before, you know, it actually closes. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I knew some people in Orange County, and um, he, this this person, uh, had said, you know, for a long time, like you should move down here. It's a lot nicer, and you know, there's, uh, I could get you in teaching lessons at a place and everything. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'll whatever i'll just go i have nothing really to lose i'm already, at the end of the year i'm already gonna have nothing anyway so i might as well move and i had gigs <laughs> like i was i was working at oh yeah here's another thing too so i was working part-time at a studio uh doing that's where the sound design for cartoons comes into play because i would run some sessions every now and again i would do some sound design for cartoons like we did uh, the transformers cg cartoon mm -hmm. and uh there was like a bugs bunny reboot called wabbit I did some work on that. I'm not credited. <laughs> the studio is credited. Uh. I was just kind of like ghost working on the, the tracks there as part of my job working in the studio. Yeah. But the studio at the end of the year <laughs> was also moving and it ended up just shutting down. It didn't end up moving anywhere. <laughs> so like everything mm. at, at the end of 2016 just kind of fell apart for me. And so I decided I'm going to moved to Orange County. I kind of hopped around a couple places. Uh, it was very tumultuous, but I took, I basically every single Craigslist ad that was bass player wanted, I responded to. Like every ah, single one. Okay. Uh, every, uh, I probably did some things like I joined every looking for musicians Facebook group, mm -hmm. every, everything that you could think of finding musicians online. I did every audition I could find, every throwaway gig uh, that I could. And uh, I, 2017 was really rough because I was not making that much money. I kind of had to start over. Mm -hmm. I made it through, you know, I squeaked by, 
Uh, but what kept me going was just, you know, what else am I going to do? Mm. I didn't really ever have like a backup plan because a lot of people say, especially when you go into a creative field, oh, always have a backup plan, always have a normal job you could do. I never bothered to do that uh, yeah. for better or for worse. So I eventually started getting into some consistent gigs, not that they paid the best, but it was mm -hmm. consistent work. Um, and then eventually you just meet enough people and you get into better situations. And thankfully, you know, by the end of 2017, I had met a bunch of people and was playing pretty consistently every weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was always, you know, no matter how bad things were for me personally, I never let that reflect in my playing or in my, I should say like in my kind of professional playing, like at a gig or in the studio or anything. Mm -hmm. I never like would come in and be like, well, I feel terrible. How are you doing? You know, it was never that. Yeah. It, uh, I would always just kind of keep it, you know, keep it separate as separate as I could mm -hmm. and just let the gig be like this totally separate experience. That, that was not related at all to what was going on in my personal life. Uh, but that, I think, just my attitude and the fact that I could do everything that I needed to in terms of styles. I could mm -hmm. play everything. Mm -hmm. That's what got me all this this work was, you know, I, I could play, I could play jazz, I could play bossa nova, I could play R&B, uh, I could read. Mm -hmm. I can read pretty well. Uh, I'm not like a master reader, but I can read pretty well. I can read charts. And just knowing that I could do all that uh, got me enough work to where I could, you know, survive. Yeah. And I, I, many people would not have, you know, made it. I did get lucky for sure mm -hmm. that, that I met as many people as I did. One guy that got me a bunch of gigs uh, I just met at an audition. He was auditioning for the same band. The band never did anything. The band that we auditioned for never went anywhere. Like mm -hmm. the singer left the state uh, like two months later. <laughs> so, but I kept in contact with that guitar player, and we got you know we got each other a bunch of work. Random things just happen when you're a musician. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, that's that, I think that's pretty much it. Because by by that point, I was playing a lot in a lot of different bands, mostly cover stuff, because that's what pays as a musician. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. But, okay. Yeah. I kind of, I love that you didn't have a plan B. I, I think sometimes a plan B, it, it messes people up, because then they're so focused on having the plan B. If plan A doesn't work, you don't put enough, enough energy into making plan A work. It's like, I mean, think about it. If plan A doesn't work, then you obviously will figure out the plan B when it's necessary. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your plan B, people, musicians and artists are so focused on the plan B being a normal job that they don't let their plan B supplement their plan A. Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't your plan B learning you know, Logic or Ableton or Pro Tools or something, learning how to engineer a session or learning how to mix and master or learning another instrument. Why does your plan yeah. B have to be, you know, hard labor or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever your plan, you know, something not related to the field. Well, yeah, you know what? You know why it's hard labor, Mike, now that you say that? I feel like it's hard labor because it doesn't fall in the lane of what you're naturally gifted or have an inclination to do. So it's the, it's like we're then making it harder on ourselves, right, to do something that we don't have a natural, you know, gifting skill, whatever for. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's essentially what happened when I went to when I went to college and I didn't study music. I basically was like, okay, I'm going to Plan B. And I went to, I went to Plan B early, but then I came back to Plan A. Smart. 
So, I don't know. You made the right choice. 100%. <laughs> Every day I wake up and I'm like, all right, time to figure out my life again today. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a running joke in this house. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but whatever. Hey, at least I'm showing up to figuring it out every day. Yes. <laughs> oh, Mike. Okay, so I know we're, we're getting close to time. But you know what I wanted to ask you? I was, like, thinking while you were talking. I was like, do you feel like music fills you up? Like, do you feel full? Um, that's I a know. really That's kind of a loaded question. question. Yeah. Because it depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. Sometimes not always. But even if I'm playing uh actually let me back up. Part of it depends on the scenario. Mm-hmm. I am perfectly content with not I shouldn't say perfectly content I can manage not playing with other musicians like a lot of musicians were suffering during 2020 like I want to get out I want to play I was perfectly fine writing music for myself Mm -hmm. then I felt really satisfied I was really happy with the way that I was writing and discovering new things and that was really like one of the kind of high points of of my, my, my drive and my passion for music was discovering where I was in terms of my composition. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy playing live, absolutely. I love playing with great musicians. Um, it depends on the musicians that you play with. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> if, if I'm playing with people that I don't vibe with or that I know are kind of below my threshold, not that everybody has to be, you know, an A-class improviser or anything mm-hmm. because everybody's got different priorities. But if I am playing with people that I know that are just not even on the same you know, page musically that I am, I absolutely feel unsatisfied. But I, can, I would be more satisfied playing music that I'm not a fan of with good musicians than mm-hmm. if I were playing music that I liked but with people who I don't get along with musically. Yeah. So even like a lot of the, the gigs that I've been doing recently uh not i definitely wouldn't say that i dislike the music but Mm -hmm. it's not all music that is my favorite but the musicians specifically as a bass player it's the drummers the drummers Mm -hmm. if the drummer's good and the drummer communicates with me and you know the drummer him and i have our moments then i am then i'm good i'm happy Uh, especially if i am you know, making money while I'm doing it. That definitely helps. And nowadays, <laughs> thankfully, that seems to be the case. I'm able to make money playing music all of the time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it depends. Most of the time, yes. And But there's a lot of factors. Like you said, it's a, it's a heavy question. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking of, too, like, just overall in a sense of, like, you know, full, like your spirit feels full, your, your soul feels full, you know, mentally you're like in a good place. Like does music contribute to that or, you know, or not? Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes no. Like I said, like, you know, I'm playing with other musicians that are not, yeah, you know, on, uh, on the same page as you are. Uh, but also, uh, the, the big things that really, really disconnect me from the experience, if I'm playing with other people, are people who are not receptive or responsive to what you contribute into the situation, mm. which as a bass player is almost everyone. <laughs> uh, I, I know like a lot of musicians just don't, the bass is not even on their radar in certain styles. Mm. In some, you know, in other styles, like, you know, when we're, uh, like when playing with Dink, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bass is very often front and center, yeah. right? In a mm-hmm. lot of those tunes, which is, I love playing with him, by the way. And he's one of the like I love him so much. Like he's, <laughs> he, I love that guy. Yeah, uh, and and he's it's great. always a blast playing. And he always gets killer musicians. Can I just say that? Especially, uh, especially his female vocalist is is outstanding. <laughs> You're the best, Mike. <laughs> uh, but, Really though, like it's it's uh it's fun playing with him because he's always got good musicians. Uh, but sometimes, like some some situations that I'm in, like 
it's just like everybody is focused solely on what they are doing in the music. That I think mm -hmm. is the biggest thing that makes me that empties me more than even more than it just leaves me neutral. It's just like, oh, why am I even doing this if you're not, yeah, you know, paying attention if you don't care enough to listen to the whole thing? Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely not going to name any names, but I will say the guitar players are the most guilty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're kind of like in competition, aren't they, with the bass? I mean, to yeah. to, to have that shine, yeah. That's almost like a world analogy, though, what you just said right there, because if you think about it, like even just in general in life, right, it's like if we're all supposed to be somehow cohesively moving together or working together, like to, for, to hear the whole thing. And, you know, people are so focused on just hear me or hear my part. It's like, dude, like you're you're messing it up because now we're not all in unison. We're not all in sync. And like it's it's not as beautiful as it could be if we Absolutely. would, you know, be a group like we're supposed to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> All right, Mike. Well, you know, I could just keep talking and talking, but we're not going to do that. I know you have things to do. I have things to do. I mean, I'll have to just re I always, say, you know, reserve um, an invitation to come back on at some point. Hey, <laughs> we I, can always talk again. <laughs> hey, to. but how would you like people to, like, stay connected with you or what you're doing? Um uh, so the only I, I have a website, but it's under construction. It's not public yet, so I'm not gonna, okay. Yeah, but uh, the I am most active on Instagram. IG. Uh, yeah, that's where I, I post. I mostly post stories. I gotta post actual posts more, and I, I I will definitely do that starting hopefully soon. But my yeah, Instagram yeah. is a uh, nap base N A P B A S S. Yeah, not bass, y'all. N A P B A S S. N A P B A S S. <laughs> I'm guilty of of not posting like my shit. Some people just post all day long. I don't. I don't even know how they find the time. But neither. Whew, they have somehow figured it out. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> if you figure it out, let me know. Yeah, if I figure it, I will let you know. Like literally you have to have that phone glued to your hand and yeah. everything has to be recorded and shared. But yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah, how do people have phone batteries big enough to do <sighs> all that posting? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or even like the space. Yeah, yeah. Or the space. I don't even know. And some people are really good with like, I mean, they'll edit a bunch of stuff. I'm just like, wow. Like they're just talented. Okay. They're talented. That is clearly their lane. It's true. And that's You're why right. they're able to do it so well. Right. <laughs> but anywho all right y'all well i'm gonna get ready to wrap up this episode we have been talking with none other than mike talanka uh also known as nap base on ig so you must follow him okay um amazing i will just call you my brother thanks again for coming on today Thank I look you. forward to hearing some of the stuff that's going to be released from you. That's really exciting. So, yeah. All right, you guys. You've been listening to For the Artist, a podcast brought to you by Creative and Projects. I've been your host, Melissa Cherie, in our virtual studio with Mike Talanka. Until next week, you already know what I want you to do, and that is I want you to keep creating from the inside out. Peace. When was the last time you did something good? I mean, something really good with your money. <laughs> I want to invite you to do some good by making a tax-deductible donation to Creative M Projects. We are helping artists to develop from the inside out, and we could use your support and your donation. So you know what to do. Go to the website, www.creativeandprojects.org, and make a donation in any amount today. Keep creating, y'all.